Last week we talked about the history of Israel. We talked about you know, how they came into Egypt, they went through the desert, they came out to the promised land, you know, they went through the period of um, kicking out some of the inhabitants of the land, they didn't kick them all out, then they, later they become a thorn on their side, they started conforming, they, they started having kings, and their kings became evil and led the nation in, you know, in bad way, good way, bad way, good way, and they did this whole thing. You know, of having good kings and bad kings, we talked about the division of the kingdom, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, then the northern kingdom disappeared through the Assyrians. And we talked about all of that and how that led to this Babylonian captivity. And, um, and we said the thing that, that was the last thing where the Lord said that, that's it, no more, like you guys have gone too far, was when they started, when King Manasseh from the southern kingdom started doing um, child sacrifices again, right? And so we said, let's pay attention to the things that are important to God because this should probably be important to us as well. You know, it kind of like tells you, gives you a clue when a nation is going in a really, really bad direction. And so, um, you know, we said abortion here in the United States has been a horrible thing, but thankfully Roe versus Wade was overturned and uh, we got to celebrate that, amen? And uh, that's an important thing for the Lord. That's a big deal for the Lord. And so we want to pay attention to these things that are important to God, important to his heart, um, because Babylon represents the world that we're living in today. But it also gives us an idea of, of what leads up to the coming of Jesus, because it led up to the first coming of Jesus, right? That exile kind of like took place, other kingdoms came, um, and then it led to the first coming of Jesus. And I believe it's a picture, an illustration for us today of the Babylon we're living in, what we're facing, and how it's also leading up to the second coming of Jesus. <clears throat> Why? Because it gives us the signs of the times. It's telling us what we're living in and what to watch out for. How are we supposed to respond to this world? And so if we go to um, Daniel chapter 1, and I'm going to read uh, certain verses because I have a lot to cover today, but we are going to um, get out in time. So, uh, <clears throat> it says in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Asphanas, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family okay, and other noble families. So he brought royalty and nobility who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Look, person next to you, tell them you qualify for that. <clears throat> only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Okay, so... He was a respecter of persons. He definitely, he just wanted the cream of the crop, the top, the best looking, you know. And so right away, it starts telling us what Babylon values, right? Babylon values outward appearance, knowledge, intelligence, 
all that stuff, right? And, and if you remember, the Bible is full of people who were weak and incapable outwardly of doing the great things that God used them to do, right? And so we're seeing right away Babylon values, you know, kind of like what this world values, right? They're like, hey, look around, see who's got the best selfies, right? Who can lift more, most? Who is the smartest? Who knows? And those are the people that I want, okay? And so the king, you know, brings these guys. And it says in uh, verse 5, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. Can we show that picture of uh, the, the feast of food? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I, I mean, you know, that just, it's kind of like one of those kingly tables look like. But honestly, if you put some tacos in there, then I'm in. Some bacon. Well, I guess there's some, <clears throat> right? But there was, it, this was like like a king's table. There was a feast, and they're like, you know, you get. It, remember, one of the things I told you last time is the danger of Babylon is that it was not like the Egyptian captivity that was a a um, slave, aggressive, violent captivity, but it was a what a friendly one. Babylon was a friendly one. So so here you have you know these young men. They're brought in. And they're not in chains and having to do hard labor, but instead they're saying, hey, listen, you're going to uh, eat from the king's table. What? Well, that, that doesn't sound too bad. That's, I'm actually kind of okay with that, right? And so they didn't say that, okay? So the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Now, verse 6, let's go to verse 6. You can take that picture off because people are starting to get hungry. It says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. And I think it's really important to pay attention to this. The world wants to rename you. And the first thing they're trying to do is strip them of their godly identity, who God created them to be. You know, there is so much social media, there's so much comparison, there's so much of, of this image stuff in the world that it's rare to find people who just want to be themselves. Like everybody's trying to be somebody else, look like someone else, dress like someone else, talk like someone else, act like someone else, do what someone else does. For, like they, everybody wants somebody else's identity and the world is very accommodating with that. They're like, sure, you know, what do you want to look like? Who do you want to be like? You know, well, here's... Here's the example. Here's the pictures. Here's the, the clothes. Here's like just, you know, you can be whoever you want to be. You can be whatever you want to be. And so they renamed them. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined. Say with me, determined. Another word says he resolved in his heart that he would not defile himself or contaminate himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So, <clears throat> so first their identity, you know, they're after your identity. In the same way, the world's after your identity. You know, you, being a child of God, you're a Christian, ooh, that's weird, you know? And so, so what it does, it's always trying to pull us into conforming, right? It starts calling us something else. 
They start telling us what we should look like, what we should do, what we should dress like. And, um, and it's the same thing, you know, and, and, and so it's a big temptation. Why? Because it's comfortable. It's not necessarily bad to the eye, right? Looks good. Oh, well, sure, that's a cool name. It's a Babylonian name. I'll fit in better. And so we need to have this determination and the same resolve that Daniel had that he said, oh, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to contaminate myself. And, um, and what I want to suggest to you is that we're not necessarily talking about food right now, but we're talking about our spiritual food. What are we feeding ourselves with, right? So they wanted to feed them with the king's food, okay? And he's like, no, hold on. Look, I'm, I'm going to eat. I'm not going to defile myself, but let's do a test, right? And so he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, why were these unacceptable foods? Well, because they went against the Torah, against the word of God. God had told them not to eat of those foods. And so there were certain foods in there that he's like, no, that's, you can't eat that, can't eat that, can't eat that, can't eat that, can't eat that. He's like, so he said, now God had given them, the chief of staff, both respect and affection for Daniel. And I will tell you something, when you take a stand and when you resolve in your heart to not defile yourself, to not contaminate yourself, God will give you favor. God will give you favor. God gives favor and power to the bold, to those that make a stand. He backs them up. And the interesting thing, too, is that it's only talking about these four guys. But there was a lot other uh, of the royal family and the noble families that were brought from Israel into Babylon who we don't hear about here. You know why? Because they were absorbed by Babylon. Because they were like, hey, you know what? I mean, we're captives. We have no option. We're victims here. What are we going to say? No to the food? Forget it. I want, I want my life. I don't want to die. I don't want to get in trouble. Who knows what's going to happen? So, you know, so what the rest of them, you know, they just went and ate, you know, the food of the king. But they knew it was against the word of God. So the first temptation we see here is a friendly temptation to participate in the world's food. A, 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 a friendly temptation to depart from the word of God. It's a small compromise. It's just food. I mean, it's food or we might die. I think we'll just eat it. It's not like we're bowing before other idols and worshiping other gods. It's just food. You see what I'm saying? Now, if you know the story, it's just a couple chapters before they're bowing down to idols. See, the enemy never starts with, <laughs> with the big idolatry thing, right? It starts with just a little bit of food. It starts with just a little bit of feeding you, you know. We're always renewing our mind. You remember Wendy uh, Backlund said this. We're always renewing our mind to something. Sometimes we think like, okay, it's time to renew my mind. And you start renewing your mind with something good. But let me tell you, the rest of the time, you're not intentionally renewing your mind to the word of God. You could be renewing your mind to something else. We know the majority rules that whatever you hear of the most, whatever you're immersed in the most, it's, it's meant to have an impact in your life of one way or another. It says, but Daniel was determined, right? How do we live in Babylon without becoming a Babylonian? 
Because we're in this world, but we're not of this world, right? We covered that last week. We're in here for a purpose. And sometimes we forget what that purpose is. And because we had no resolve, no determination in our heart to not be conformed to Babylon, you know, or we're afraid of the persecution or we're afraid of what they're going to say or I'm going to look different, then what do we do? We just, we just go with the flow, right? I'm still a Christian. I'm still just, you know, it's just that, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be one of those Christians too crazy, Right? Like, who's going to want to tell the king no? It says, now God given them uh, respect and affection for Daniel. And then, um, so what happens is verse 12 says, please test us 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Yuck. <laughs> now that's a sacrifice right there. Right? Um. You know, it's not, it, just so you know, it wasn't just veggies. It, uh, that word actually re- refers to anything that grows from a seed. So there was fruit and there was some grains involved in their diet and stuff like that. Okay, but, but my point about it is that it, it wasn't so much about the food, about eating veggies, but it was a way to take a stand to not conform, okay, when their lives were on the line. It was a way to make a stand and say, no, I'm not going to depart from the word of God. The word of God says, you know, to not eat these things. So we're just going to not touch that. See, I think sometimes we think uh, some things in the Bible are okay to follow and some are just not up to date. When is the uh, woke version translation going to come out? So, so, you know, I think some, some people are just waiting for that one to come out and be like, oh, see, I knew it. This wasn't for today. Well, the word of God is the same, you know, for yesterday, today, forever, because Jesus never changes. So his word is the same today. Amen. And so we just need to know how to interpret Old Testament and what does it mean, you know, in our lives today. Okay. <clears throat> so it wasn't so much about the food, because then we would all be like, all right, well, we're all supposed to be vegetarians. And that would be a sad day. <laughs> if you're a vegetarian, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm sorry. I just love bacon and steak and, <laughs> and everything good God made. Um, okay, so we know that 10 days went by and they actually looked better. Okay, verse 17 says, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. I want to say something to you. When you take a stand and you take a risk for the Lord, you take a stand and you stay on the word instead of compromising a little bit towards Babylon, when you have that, God, God starts pouring supernatural in your life, see? Because it's after they took this stand that this happened. It says he gave them unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And watch this. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. When did this gift come? It came after he took a risk for the Lord, after he resolved in his heart, after he's like, all right, I'm going to be the most unpopular person, but I will not depart from the word of God. I will not betray the principles of the kingdom of heaven just because it might save my skin. Are you with me? 
And what was the result? See, a lot of people want to see miracles and signs and wonders and the supernatural stuff, but they're not willing to take any risk. They're kind of covering the reputation before anything, right? They're like, well, you know, let me tell you, it's when you take risk that you'll see crazy things happen. I remember it was in Hermosillo. Um, probably told you the story before, but in Mexico in 2002, and uh, Clint Rogers gets up in the platform, and, and, <laughs> and it's the first time I'm hearing him preach. Many of you have met Clint now, right? He does a youth camp, and he's a wild evangelist for the Lord. And he gets up in the platform, and he goes, if there's no miracles today, Jesus is not alive. And I'm like, are we allowed to do that? Like, <laughs> we saw a crazy amount of miracles. You know, every time we saw a crazy amount of miracles. I mean, people getting out of wheelchairs and like the wheelchair, like people would leave their wheelchairs in the stadium and, and just, you know, dozens of them. And, uh, and I was like, that's, that's powerful, you know? And so you see that same thing here. They, they resolved in their heart. They said, we're not going to do this. You know, we're going to stand on the word. They, they had this attitude of pleasing the Lord and honoring the Lord is more important to me than anybody else's opinion in my own life. And we're going to see that over and over. But, um, but I think it's interesting to notice that Daniel's ability in gifting to interpret dreams and visions that goes even beyond just interpreting them, uh, but it goes into word and knowledge and all that stuff. It came after they did this, after they took a risk, after they took a stand. Amen? Okay. Um, and it says, verse 19, the king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. See, how are we supposed to influence our spheres that we're called into, our spheres of influence, how are we supposed to affect the environment in a place if we just lost our flavor and blend it in and look and sound and act like everybody else does? And don't get me wrong. I don't mean be like one of those crazy ones that are just preaching at everyone all the time and, you know, stealing from the boss's time to pray for people. Like, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that God will give us opportunities to take a stand, and a lot of times we will miss out on those things because we're, we're scared, we're afraid, we're, we're too concerned about our reputation, and we forget that we're dead. These guys acted like they were dead. They had no fear of death. Right? They knew what was at stake. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was a... Very violent and creative king. Like he was very creative and very creative about how to kill people too. And these guys are like, they're acting like they're dead because they're like, well, we're not going to do that. But, and then God's power shows up. And it says nobody impressed him as much as these four it says, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Like, do you see how incredible this must be? Like, what if you were that person at work? What if you were that person in government? 
What if you were that person in this entertainment industry? What if you were the one having the ideas and the godly revelations of how, you know, to be a blessing where God has put you to the point where, where he's like, hey, call, you know, hey, call Bob. Bob is, you know, he's, he's like 10 times smarter and wiser than everybody else. I, I don't know why, but every time we need something, Bob comes with, comes up with the idea. He comes up with the plan. He has a solution for everything. Call him. Like, that can be us. It's supposed to be us. In, you're in a school, in the education system, right? Whatever God has called you to influence, whatever mountain that is, whatever sphere of influence that is, God wants you to be the Daniel in that place. But it can't happen if you just look, act, and sound like everyone else. See, God will give you favor and God will give you power when you take a stand, right? When you act and move according to his principles. Okay. <clears throat> so any, anyways, for each of you, you know what that means in, uh, in your sphere of influence. So one of the things that happened is they, they had opportunity after opportunity to stray away and leave their loyalties to God. Okay, In Joshua 1.7 it says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. See, they knew that. Daniel knew that. He's like, guys, this is an opportunity to go to the right or to the left. He says, but, but the Bible tells us, you know, the Torah tells us. Like this happened before. It says God will make us successful in everything we do if we don't turn from the le- to the left or to the right. Proverbs 4.27, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I believe Daniel and his friends had the word of God so hidden in his heart. And, and see, here's what happened. When you have a resolve like Daniel, it's a yes to the Lord, a yes to his word. And that yes becomes an automatic no to anything and everything that might stray you away from the Lord and from his word. See, a lot of times we think like it's so hard to say no to all these other things. It's so hard to say no to that, that temptation and this temptation and that temptation. and this. It's so hard to say no to all these things. Oh, it's exhausting. Listen, you just have to say yes to him and yes to his word. Yes to him is an automatic no to anything that comes against that. See, they, they, they purposed it in their heart. They hid the word of God in their hearts and they knew. So when this came, it was a no-brainer to them. That, like, there's nothing I have to choose. There, there's no decision to make here. Like, it's a no. We're not going to eat that because we're not going to defile ourselves because it goes against God's word. So we're not going to do that. There's no option. And a lot of times we have a lot of options and we convince ourselves and we talk ourselves into situations and things that should have never been an option. Are you with me? Man, you guys are so quiet. So quiet. Okay. Um, There is is a, uh, a direct attack on not just us, but on our children. 
Okay? Now, if you know anything about, you know, children and, and their most susceptible years to programming and all this stuff, you know, it's, uh, I think it's by, by eight years old that most of their, you know, programming and belief systems are formed, right? And so the devil has become very friendly at, um, at starting early with our children, right? Because why children? Because they're the next generation. If you can get them earlier, then it'll be a lot easier when they're older, right? And so there's... <clears throat> there is, a, I, I'm, I don't put this up here to freak you out or anything like that, but I do think we need to be so much more aware today. Um, otherwise, um, this, this Babylonian captivity is going to be a piece of cake for the devil, and we're not going to have a chance to stand. And, uh, and, and it's very easy to give our kids access to technology nowadays. You know, it's, it's, a, it's the best and cheapest nanny you can get. It's a tablet. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not speaking to anybody here, like, no judgment, you know, like, we've all done it, you know, but, um, well, we have to be really careful because, and we have to train up our kids because the devil, is, we said last week, he disguises like an angel of light, okay? Well, there's shows, actually, where, where, where he is like an angel of light. Can you guys show that very first one, please? Okay, so this one is a YouTube one um, where it's a complete mockery of Sunday school church, Right? And it used to be on YouTube Kids. Now it's just on the regular YouTube. But it's literally, these kids are like in Sunday school. And this is Satan who shows up as an angel of light. And he shows up really cool. I mean, if you guys see, that dude looks cool, right? He's like, hey, what's up? You know, he looks like strong and all that. And he's talking in a very friendly and sarcastic way, mocking Christianity and starting to um, deconstruct uh, the faith from the creation and from the children of Israel and did this really happen, did that really happen? And the way, and, and none of it is true, but the way they make it sound is as if we are all deceived and they're right. So they start questioning the Bible in ways that, you know, could this deconstruct any child's faith? And especially, you know, if, if your child has never read the Bible, or if they barely come to children's church, you know, on Sunday, or if they're not very exposed to, to like, learning the Bible at their age, well, how easy it is to watch a show, and you think it's good, or they think it's good, and all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's completely poisoning their faith, and so this is a super, super evil one, you know, and then after this scene, after a while of, of just doing that in a very uh, friendly, enticing way, um, yeah, Jesus shows up, and in there, and he shows up like a weak, manipulative um, person, you know, and, and it's it's really infuriating actually to watch. But um, so we need to be careful. There's another one that they just started on Prime. You guys can put that one. It's called Hasbin Hotel, and um, I mean, you don't need a punchline, right? <clears throat> this thing is. Um, uh, well, it says number two in the U.S. I don't know how true that is. But this is a story of Lucifer uh, told differently. So they say, you know, Lucifer, you know, was an angel who was very creative. And he was punished by the elders of heaven for thinking differently. And so he was sent to earth, you know, and, and, and then they talk about Adam and not Eve, but Adam and, and Lilith, who is like a demonic entity. And then they go into, um, there's also like uh, feminist uh, men against women, um, 
you know, uh, uh, dialogue in there that just, like, it, it, is, it is horrible. It, and it's for kids. It's for kids and for youth and stuff. And, and so you start watching this stuff, you know, and, or you don't even know they're watching. It's like you're drinking poison straight up, and it's deconstructing people's faith, kids. And if, again, if kids are not strong or they're not, like, getting in their Bible lesson or, or they don't ever read the Bible or they don't even have a Bible or they go to church once a month or wh- whatever it is, like, how, how can we even compete with, with this, I know you're like, we're the good news. <clears throat> and so this Babylonian friendly programming, you know, it's a, it's a real danger. And so we need to be careful, not only that, what are they watching? What are our children watching? But also, are we teaching them the right stuff? You know, because let me tell you something. If you bring your children to church, even just once a week or twice a week, it's still not enough because we're competing. You know, if they go to public school, we're competing with 40 hours a week that they're surrounded in an environment that you have zero control over and that's now more overly perverted than it's ever been in the history of this country. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? Bad news, bad news, bad news. But we need to be aware and we need to be active and we need to do something. So when you look at it and, you know, bringing kids to ch- Sunday church and Wednesday night, like it's really, we're just putting in a seed, you know, we're putting in a seed, not, it's not the full solution. It's a seed that needs to be watered at home. It needs to be protected at home. You know, if church is optional for you, it will be unnecessary for your children. <clears throat> okay, and this is for adults too. Adults going down rabbit holes, whether it's YouTube or whatever it is, of people that sound really smart. <laughs> they have facts. They have the wrong science. They have all this kind of stuff, and they're going down these rabbit holes. They're deconstructing their faith. Sometimes they don't even realize, and they start doubting everything. I'm like, how did you even get there? Right? And so while technology and you know, the Internet can be a, a good tool for us as believers you know, to learn the Word and hear the Word, it also could do the very opposite very quickly. Okay. <clears throat> and... Um, Daniel chapter 2, let me see how we're doing. Okay, Daniel chapter 2, something very interesting happens. So, again, we're in Babylon, in Babylon okay? This, we live in Babylon. We're not from Babylon. And our battle is to not become a Babylonian, okay? To take a stand and take a resolve like Daniel and his friends. And when you start taking those stands and those steps, you're going to see the favor and the power of God in your life. And it's amazing. These guys were right there at the top. Right there at the top, you know, with the favor of God. At the end of, um, well, so what happens in in Daniel chapter 2 is Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And here's the short um, version of that. He has a dream. It's so disturbing for him that he goes, all right, um, I need the magicians and the enchanters to come tell me what my dream was. And then they can tell me what it means. And they're like, nobody can do that. I mean, they're like, tell us your dream, and then we'll tell you what it means. He's like, no, you're going to make something up. And so he was so perturbed about this dream and, and so, like, confused that he said, said, only if you can tell me what a dream. So, so nobody can tell him, and he goes, all right, kill them all. Cut them to pieces. 
I'm telling you, this guy had some imagination. He's like, cut them all to pieces, all the So they're coming out, they're coming out for Daniel too, right? They're coming to get Daniel. Daniel's like, hey, what happened? Like, why are we reacting so aggressively here, right? And he's like, well, this happened. You know, the king had a dream. Nobody could tell him. He's like, hey, give us some time. You know, we can do it. So, again, taking a risk, right? Taking a risk. But again, I mean, this one was pretty clear. They were going to die. So, in uh, chapter 2, in, uh, if we go to verse 16... Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. And then he went home and told his friends Hananiah and Azariah what happened. And he urged them to ask God of heaven. So they're like, all right, we got to go pray. Ask God to show us um, by his mercy and tell us the secret so they would not be executed along with other wise men of Babylon. Now, do we care about saving the wise men of Babylon? Yeah, it's a trick question. See, but... God will use us, you know, to get people saved. And this is what was happening. It's a picture of the power of God, you know, through our lives that are going to help save the lives of other people that have yet to come into the kingdom of God. And then it says, uh, that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And Daniel praised God. He was so excited, right? And then he interprets the dream. He tells the king what the dream meant. I love it, verse 27. It says, Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. He's telling Nebuchadnezzar, right? Verse 28, he says, but there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. You guys, it's the same God in heaven who's revealing secrets, and he's wanting to reveal secrets, but he needs people that will step up. And that's us. He wants to reveal secrets and mysteries. God did not hide things from us. He hid things for us. If you've ever done the Easter egg hunt, it's no fun when they're just laying on the grass. It's fun when you have to search for them. And it tells the person that hid them that there's an interest for that secret to be found. And that's how the Lord has hidden things for us, not from us. He's hidden things for you. He's hidden uh, uh, solutions to, to earthly problems, right? He's hidden them for you. When you will go seek the Lord for a solution to the problem at work, for the problem in, in the schools, for the problem in the company, for the problem, right? The Lord will give you solutions that will put you in the raiders of the people that are at the top so that you can become an influence in that place. He says, there's a God in heaven who reveals secret. And then he goes and he tells them what a dream is. Can we put up the statue, please? And so the dream was this. The dream was a statue that had a golden head, a silver, uh, the, the silver, the bronze, and then the iron and the iron and clay. And so, you know, it clearly tells us gold is the Babylonian empire, which was the strongest, most powerful, and, you know, great empire of that time. Then he tells the king Nebuchadnezzar, but there's a time coming when, you know, another kingdom is going to take over you, right? So that's when we see that the Medo-Persian empire comes in and then take over, right? So then we also are going to see how God uses people with the new kings to also be influencers of their time. And then we have the bronze empire, which is the Greek. Then the Greek empire comes, okay? And then the iron, uh, which is the legs, represents the Roman empire, which is when, 
Jesus was born, okay? And then at the very bottom, we have iron and clay, which represent modern powers. And, um, and, it, and it's iron and, and clay because it's, uh, the Roman Empire actually affected how a lot of the Western world is ran today. You know, like one, one of the things is like uh, the Romans were the first ones to come up with having a Senate. And so that's why we have a Senate. And that's why some republics have senates and, and all that stuff. So, so it, it shows the, um, how in the book of Daniel, right, how many years before, like over 2,000, you know, maybe 3,000, I don't know exactly, right? Over 2,000 years ago, it was telling us stuff that is happening today in history. Like it's telling us stuff about our current world where we live in. And so he tells the king this, this dream. Again, the king is like, he's amazed. And in verse 40, it says, The king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. So again, elevated because of the power and the favor of the Lord. Right, elevated to position, elevated to wealth, elevated to influence, right? And not just him, but all his friends. Now, something that happens in, uh, okay, let me see. We're going to have to leave, leave this one for next time. You got to know when to quit, right? So, we're going to go to chapter three um, next week. But it's, it's, it's so fascinating to me. So today, I want you to get this. The very first temptation, okay, the very first temptation that they faced where they had to take a stand was not a drastic one. It was about food. And we live in the information world where information is at our fingertips and we can be hearing and hearing and hearing and getting our minds renewed with whatever is in our environment. So it tells us how much more intentional we have to be at controlling our environment. Because if you don't control your environment, your environment will control you. From Genesis, our command was, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. The part of subduing the earth is the part where we are given authority by God to control our environment, or our environment will control us. If you don't cut the weeds the weeds will overtake you, right? You can go in our, in our field, which, thank God, we have a, a beautiful sports field back there, and it's like we just didn't pay attention for, for a few weeks, and the grass grew, and then it rained, and then all these weeds overtook the, the soccer goal. Like, it's like, part of it is like, where, where's the soccer goal? And it's like, you know, like these huge weeds overtake, right? Control your environment, or your environment will control you. And so we need to be all the more intentional to control our environment. And I don't mean from a crazy, controlling, possessive, you know, toxic place. I mean, we need to be intentional. Otherwise, we're just starting to coast into Babylonian and slowly becoming a Babylonian. Did you get something out of that today? Man. So, so what are we eating? Uh, a few weeks ago... I showed you the Vita Church menu. <laughs> you go on the YouTube channel, there's playlists of, of everything. Anything that you want to learn, there's series there that thankfully to technology are still recorded there and you can feed yourself. There's amazing 
selected books in the bookstore. We didn't just put books in there to put books and to fill it up. We put the books that have changed our life, right? Because we want to feed you with the same thing. That's what the Lord told us. You know, God said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So, so there's a very important aspect on what we eat. And we want to make sure we feed you the best of the best. But also, you need to be very intentional in what you do, right? That's why we put this stuff on, on YouTube, on Facebook, on podcasts, on uh, on the app, and we have a website and all this stuff. We just want to make it easy for you to feed on, you know, what is good and uplifting and Bible-based for your life because it is very easy to lose our biblical worldview if we don't protect it. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? And the only reason you come to ask those questions is because you've kind of been renewed, uh, your mind's been renewed a little bit by Babylon and not the word of God. And so um, the more you're immersed in the world, the more intentional you have to be. And I'll just give you a quick example, and I'll finish with this. But like you have children. Maybe children are our most protected ones, right? Maybe even the ones that aren't going to school yet, they're the most protected ones. They have influence from us. We take them to church. You know, we bring them back. We know what they're watching and all that stuff. But as they grow up, Right there's less and less oversight, over um, um, oversight, oversight um, of of their activities, of what they're listening to, and it's impossible, you know, to keep tabs on everything. So we have to be careful. But as they grow up, it's like those layers of protection just fall off, right? And then they're in school, eight hours a day, surrounded by, you know, all kinds of stuff and thoughts and and things. And, and people speaking into their lives. So it's like, okay, well, let's hope it's good and let's hope we can catch anything that is not good, right? Again, more layers of protection off. If you're starting a full-time job, you know, in a place where there's no believers in there and you're in there, why? You're more exposed to that most of the time. And then one of the wildest ones is uh, young adults because they become adults so they no longer, you know, have... Uh, they no longer need mom and dad's permission for anything, so they're making their own choices. They're not going to church if they don't want to or don't feel like it, or if they're exploring something else, they don't go to church. And then what happens is they're in the world, they're in work, or they're in college, and they're just completely surrounded by Babylon, and that's what's speaking into their ears. So it, we need to strengthen ourselves intentionally, you know, no matter what age we are, so that we can still tell the difference between this is biblical and that is, that's not biblical. You know, I'd rather eat veggies than contaminate myself, you know, with that. 